This is the Dr. Renee Frazier Show. Why women? I'm Renee Frazier, a social psychologist and an advertising executive. I founded and run a very successful advertising firm called Frazier Communications. But I found as I did my work, I got more interested in women, and I am also an advocate for women and girls. On the show, the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, we interview interesting, successful women and men looking at issues uh, and obstacles as well as concerns that face women. Our intent is to help women lead and succeed. And during the month of March, which has been Women History's Month, we have identified successful women, women who are change makers and leaders in our world, to better understand for ourselves what advice can we take away? What guidance can we learn? I myself um, don't think of myself as a very successful woman, even though I run an advertising firm. Prior to doing the show, I did an interview with a young man, and he was so insistent uh, as he was looking at his career that he admired my steps and wanted to learn from me. It made me realize I actually have learned a lot more than I might give myself credit for. But I, I particularly enjoy doing this show because I get to speak with women who have outstanding paths and learn more about myself as well. Is about them. Today we're going to be talking with Gail Becker, who's the CEO of Cauliflower. Cauliflower, like cauliflower, it's a wonderful name and it reminds me of delicious pizza, I have to say. Yeah, Gail Becker started that company. She'll be telling us more about the company itself. But Gail, I'd like to start first with your childhood and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you think made you decide to be an entrepreneur. Wow. Uh, I could point to a number uh, of of different parts of my childhood that probably influenced me somewhat unknowingly, but probably the biggest was uh, my father. And Mm. both my parents are immigrants here. I'm a first-generation American. And when my dad came, he opened a small store in San Francisco. And I used to ring the cash register starting at five years old and work in his store every weekend. And it really gave me a a great perch from which to, you know, watch him build a business, watch him form relationships with customers, and really sort of, you know, be in charge of his own destiny. You know, he always said to me, why would you ever want to rely on anyone else? And, you know, for so much of my career, I didn't really understand what that meant. But I finally reached a point, unfortunately, upon his passing, where I realized I really wanted to follow in his entrepreneurial footsteps. I love that story, Gail. I, um, you know, I, I, I think also as women, uh, that was really wonderful advice because, uh, in many ways, we're trained to expect to be married, right, and and to depend on others. I know that was one of my mother's messages to me, which was, don't mm-hmm. limit yourself so that you're ever dependent on one individual. And, uh, you know, she used to keep a little money on the side just in case that she had access to her own yeah. cash. All right. And, and uh, in your case, you actually saw your father doing the work in the store. I bet you also learned a lot about the work ethic from that. Uh, I did, you know, I, uh, I did. He worked, you know, very hard. Um, but I also, you know, learned just some, 
really sort of core uh, tenants of business, uh, just from that little stool ringing that very old cash register. And it was everything from like, um, you know, the customer is always right. Mm-hmm. Right. No matter, no, even when the customer's wrong, the customer's right. <laughs> uh, or, or, you know, really how important building those relationships are um, uh, in business uh, with your customers, uh, uh, really having that kind of direct relationship, even if, you know, back then it was, you know, working a storefront where he had that relationship, but even in a business, like Collie Power, you know, I still really work to to form relationships with my consumers, even though they're it's built in different ways. I see that. I know that one of the things I read about you is how important it is to listen to your customers, right? You get ideas. Even uh, I'll jump ahead and we'll talk about the droopy pizza. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean that that was really garnered from listening because you know when I saw people you know post about competitors' pizza, I always saw the pictures of like a droopy pizza, and I always thought, well, you know, if the crust doesn't get crispy, it's probably not pizza. It might be something else, but it's not pizza. And so, uh, so we sort of made fun of that and, and, and sort of coined the term pizza droop and, 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 you know, the rest is uh, history, as they say. I love it, Gail. Let, let's go back, though, to uh, your upbringing. I think you're right. There's some core values. Uh, the customer is always right. The importance of building close relationships. <clears throat> it sounds like the way you saw it, it's not just about the transaction. It's about sustaining the relationship and um, recognizing people for who they are when they, I mean, even when they come into the store, right? Uh, you know a little bit about their lives, probably their family. They often came in alone or with a spouse. So it was things like that where you got to know people deeper than just the transaction itself. Exactly. And, you know, that happened in the store and it also happened in life. I mean, it's um, just sort of, you know, witnessing my dad at work. So, yes, he knew every every customer by name and he would ask them about his family. And, you know, one time I remember one of his um, one of the people who had never been in the store before went into a, sort of a diabetic shock. And oh, no. I, I saw my dad just like swoop into action, rip open a chocolate bar, feed him, help him up, like really take care of him. And, you know, the the guy wanted to pay my father back in some way. And he was, you know, adamant that he didn't. And it really, you know, it's such a, it was such a young memory for me. But I think it really sort of solidified for me that, you know, business exists for more than just to make money. Making money is important. And absolutely, that is what business, you know, uh, you know, should most definitely do. But it can also do more than that. And that to me was, you know, just, he, he just lived that. And, um, and it was really important for me when I, when I did go into business to sort of have that, you know, mission, you know, core to everything I did. Well, I know that before you started Collie uh, Power, you were also at Warner Brothers, right? So you worked in mm-hmm, a corporate mm-hmm. environment. Did some of those values guide you there as well? Uh, 
Not necessarily, although ultimately, you know, the lack thereof is why I ended up leaving <laughs> corporate America. Uh, I, I, I worked in many places um, in corporate America. And, um, you know, when my father passed, something inside me just really snapped and changed. And I, I realized I wanted to do something more meaningful. I wanted to help people. I wanted to make a contribution. I wanted to make the world better in some teeny tiny way. And most importantly, I wanted to honor my father. Uh-huh. And, you know, so so what could I do that would really allow me to do all of those things? And while I wasn't really sure what I could do, I knew that I wasn't doing it. You know, I worked my way up the proverbial ladder. And when I finally got to the top, I realized I don't love the view. <laughs> and so I knew I had to make a change, but I just, I, I really didn't know what it was, um, but I knew I needed something different. I love that, uh, Gail. This is Gail Becker. You're listening to the Dr. Renee Frazier show, Why Women. We're talking to a remarkable woman, Gail Buck. Becker, who started Cauliflower, a great food company with cauliflower at the base of things and now other vegetables as well. Gail's been telling us about honoring her father when she started Cauliflower. I'm going to ask her in the next segment to tell us the real story behind how it got started and maybe some of the tough patches she had to go through. Stay tuned for more with Gail Becker, president and founder of Cauliflower. Welcome back to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, Why Women. We're talking with Gail Becker, the founder of Cauliflower, a very successful food company that I'm sure many of you have heard of, and I certainly am a big fan. Gail, we were just talking about um, how your early years helped to fashion kind of your core values, and uh, I, like you, got fed up with the corporate world. I, I found it. Uh, you said you didn't like the view. We'll talk about mm-hmm. why you started your own company in just a second. I have to say that uh, I didn't like the backstabbing that I saw and the politics. Mm, interesting. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was petty politics. There were people angry that other people were succeeding when they weren't. And um, and it didn't feel uh, like the kind of place I I could be my true self. Uh, and that had nothing to do mm-hmm. with being a woman. It was just being a caring person. It didn't seem to be rewarded. Uh, I was running an advertising firm, Bozell and Jacobs. I was the head of the division, the Pacific Division. And it was a wonderful, successful ride. Uh, but I wasn't being true to who I was. And I had young children. And I knew that I wasn't spending the time with them that I should. So I started my own. That was 22 years ago. And what made you actually make the leap and start Cauliflower? Well, it was really, it was really this sort of convergence of, of three things that happened at the same time. So one was my frustration with corporate America and sort of, you know, this, 
this this overwhelming you know feeling that I wanted something more meaningful uh, to the passing of my father, mm-hmm. who you know obviously had a had had a big impact on me, and three, you know this 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 realization that there was this you know huge white space out there in terms of, you know, better for you food. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was waiting around for someone to do something and no one ever did. So (laughs) I thought, "Hmm, I guess I might as well do it myself. (laughs) And, you know, that's, that's ostensibly what happened. So it was like all those three things sort of coming together at one time and me really, really not knowing any better that, you know what, Uh, if, if not now, when? Uh, right. What was I waiting for? Right. And so I took the leap. I love that. You know, I think it's important for our listeners to hear that, you know, if not now, when? And I felt the same way when I started my company. I thought, well, you know, and I might as well give it a try. I know <clears throat> I recently talked to one of the employees who's been with me 22 years and uh, asked her, you know, how how she uh, how she thought the ride had been and was it, was it what she expected? And she said, you know, Renee, when we had coffee and you hired me, I asked you, how long do you think the company will survive? And Renee, you said five years. <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> I guess I was wrong. That wouldn't be the first time. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah. But uh, exactly. you, you, you made th- the leap. You made the start. And, and I, the story is your two boys have celiac. Is that right? And that was another reason in your life? Another way, reason yeah, why you so, started it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Most assuredly. So, uh, that's how I actually discovered the white space. So my, 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 my boys both have celiac disease and they were diagnosed at such a young age that at the time there was no gluten-free food in the market. I would have to, everything they needed, I'd, I'd literally have to make from scratch. But it did give me a good vantage point from which to watch the gluten-free industry evolve. And over the years, I began to notice sort of the junk that they were putting in gluten-free food. Oh. And, and you know, and I thought to the point that, you know, oh, I'm sure they'll notice that and do something about it, but no one ever did. Hmm. And so I, you you could definitely say that cauliflower was born out of my frustration of waiting. But, you know, it was also born out of, you know, I wanted to, you know, um, help people uh, like, you know, that were in a similar situation as me. Yes. Although, you know, to, to be honest, and you just touched on this, I never thought it would be this big. <laughs> you know, I never thought that there would be so much demand for this. Um, I just did it because I thought it was the right thing to do. I like that, though, Gail, doing it because it was the right thing to do. You know, so often I find, particularly with women, uh, we have this intuition and we don't often Mm -hmm. take advantage of that. Right. Something in your gut tells Mm -hmm. you this is the time or that person is this way. And and I'd say nine times out of ten, we're right. And if we ignore it, we may be missing a big opportunity. In your case, you saw, like you said, the white space and it was emerging as a big field. But you didn't even realize probably you were part of it. And 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 one of the creators of that industry. You know, congratulations to you. I think that's fantastic. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Thank you. I have to say it couldn't have been all easy. 
right? I, I, I mean, both of <laughs> So tell How us. about any of it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, of course, gluten-free foods, as you said, it wasn't commonly known. Uh, tell us about some of the uh, obstacles you had to overcome early on. Yeah, uh, boy, everything. I mean, even, you know, dating back to, you know, finding even someone to make the pizza. Someone, mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't convince anyone to make our pizza. Um, you know, first of all, my the volume that I needed at the time was so low that, you know, nobody really was interested in it. Uh, capacity was, was very, was really quite low. Um and, you know, I didn't know anything about the industry, so people looked at me like, well, you know, why should I bring you on as a, as a client, as a right. customer, right? right? Like, you know, what do you know about making pizza? And then finally, a lot of them said, well, wait a minute, you want to make a pizza crust out of cauliflower? Are you out of your mind? So, you know, put all that together and, you know, it's not an uncommon theme that I heard in the first few years. Now, obviously, a lot of that has dissipated, but, you know, some of the tenants are still out there, you know, um, but it, it was very hard. So it was hard just convincing people to make the pizza. It was, um, you know, it was hard, really hard raising money, right. um, getting the funds I needed, yep. picking the right partners, making sure people didn't take advantage of me. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah, but it's worth it. I mean, you, you were determined, you persevered, <laughs> right? You weren't, uh, weren't going to let anybody stand in your way. And I have to say, uh, that's one of the hardest parts, right? You have to really believe in yourself because there are a lot of people on the outside telling you, you know what, uh, I don't think this makes any sense. Uh, any, any secrets to that that you, I mean, were your kids helpful? I know in my case, my daughters really gave me a lot of the strength. They would be my pat on the back, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, my kids have, have, have always been, you know, big supporters, and I call them my CMOs, my chief, my chief motivation officers. Um, but I also think, you know, there, there were some things that I, that I did early on to sort of protect myself from the naysayers, if you will. For instance, um, the, for the first year, I created the company in, in secrecy. Uh-huh. I didn't no, Nobody really knew what I was doing until I launched. Uh-huh. And I did that, I think, in a way because, you know, I didn't really want people. I didn't really want to hear people say, well, what do you know about food? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you know about making pizza? <laughs> what do you know about this industry? And and they would have been right. Um, to be honest with you, they really would have been right. But mm-hmm. I was a fast learner. I, I, I knew what I knew and I knew what I didn't know. And I wasn't afraid to admit it. Um, and I was like a sponge. Quite frankly, I, I still am a sponge. And um, and so, you know, I protected myself from the naysayers. And and I think that was a, a good way to do it, um, actually, or at least it worked for me. It doesn't necessarily mean it works for everybody, but for me, that really helped. I just blocked out the noise. Well, you know how that applies today. So many people have side gigs. 
uh, one of my employees yes. makes uh, a greeting cards on the side, and they're lovely. Oh, and okay. uh, <clears throat> and I've said to you know, it used to be in the advertising business, you're not allowed to have a side gig. Of course, that's a very old-fashioned yeah. idea these days, right? And I encourage people to do that. So I think you could have a business on the side that was growing, and you don't really talk about it until it achieves a certain level of success so that yeah. people can't be saying, oh, there's no way, right? Yeah. That was a smart move right. on your part. I think that was a very smart smart way to protect yourself. Now, I have to ask a question. Were you married throughout this period, and did you have support from other members of the family, like your husband? So I was, uh, I was when, I, when I made my very first and only cauliflower crust pizza in my kitchen, with my two boys, uh, I was not married. I um, I was divorced and you know working a full time job, and it was really that experience of coming home from work and trying to make a cauliflower crust pizza from scratch that made me realize, well, who's got time to make a cauliflower crust <laughs> pizza for ninety minutes after you get home from a full day of work? That's right. ridiculous and almost and bordering on insulting. And so I, you know, it was really that relation, that realization that, wow, I'm really busy. I'm a single working mom. I can't be the only one. So, so that was, that was a really, you know, that was a pivotal point. Um, I, 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 I later became married, uh, right as I was starting the company, right when my father passed away, the, Ah. the wedding was actually six weeks after my, my dad passed. And I, um, and, 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 and he's been great. And what I love about starting a business is that, you know, everyone in the family has been part of it. My current husband, my ex, well, my current husband works with me. He, he, he came on about three years ago and, you know, my ex-husband is involved, my two kids, my my entire family. So it's like a crazy, wonderful village. I love it. I love it. You know, we are listening to Gail Becker. This is Dr. Renee Frazier. You're listening to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show. Gail is talking about her wonderful company, Cauliflower, which I keep saying, Cauliflower. Cauliflower, which is a great name and a great product. They've got pizzas that are delicious. I hope you all tried them. Stay tuned and we're going to learn what were they, what's it like to run a business where all the family members are a part of it and some of Gail's biggest success points. the Dr. Renee Frazier Show. Why women? We're talking with successful women, particularly today, Gail Becker, the founder of Power, a wonderful company with great products. Gail, let's talk about this family idea of a business. I'm, I'm amazed. Every You said most of the members of your family are involved in the business in some ways. Tell us yeah. about that. Because I know the two boys well, no. and all the others. Go ahead. Well, only in a bit. Yeah, only in a very unofficial way. So the the the, the only one who works for Calling Power proper is my husband. Yeah. He's our chief marketing and growth officer. But the others, you know, um, they've worked with me at food shows. They taste all our products. <laughs> they give me unsolicited advice. I just mean that, you know, when you start a business, it becomes 
all inclusive. Right. There is no separation of personal and professional when you start a business. It all melds into one. So you have two options. You can either separate the two and live two very distinct lives, which is fine, but I decided to just, you know, meld everything together. So, you know, at dinner every night when I was building the company, I would talk to my kids and explain to them what happened today and here's the right. here was the challenge and here's what I did, do, did for it and by the way they gave me great advice uh-huh. both of them gave me great advice so for me that that was much more of a of a of a way to um you know, uh, uh, just, you know, balance the demands of, of building a business. I think that's smart, Gail. You know, I, uh, and I think, uh, I learned the same lesson, uh, in a different way. So I started my advertising and marketing business and I heard me say maybe five years. And of course it's lasted over 20. When my daughters, uh, turned 20 and 22, I said to them, I want to have a real serious conversation. And I asked, did I make a mistake by not staying home? And by starting my own company in particular, and I was ready, you know, to be told, yeah, we didn't like being picked up by by other people and we weren't home after school and you didn't show up at all of the games. But they didn't say that. And they said, no, we love the fact that you enjoyed what you did and that you had your own company. I said, because we could tell you were happy and uh, and because you shared it all with us at the dinner table, just like you said, Gail, (laughs) talking about the challenges you faced talking about a pitch yep. for new business, having to let people go and talking about how hard that was. Uh, I guess being your real self with your kids, right? Being authentic. And um, it, uh, you know what I realized too? It, it shows you respect and appreciate them, right? I mean, they, they're old enough to learn. They're old enough to give you advice. Uh, it's letting them into yeah. your world, which I, get, I think is what you were doing, letting your sons in on what you were doing. Yes. And not only that, not only that, but boy, I mean, if that's not the most efficient and best uh, MBA, I don't know what is. <laughs> like they got quite an education from that. I don't know if it's going to make them, you know, want to start their own businesses or run the other way. But um, I think, you know, when I talk to them now, they say that, you know, they they might want to um, start their own businesses. So. Good. I think, which, you know, is, is, is a wonderful testament to, you know, the fact that they weren't so much uh, by, by uh, having a front row seat. Right, right, exactly. And seeing their mom go through the ups and downs. I have to say, uh, my daughters haven't started their own businesses there. Not yet. They, I, I might have turned them off to it. But, you know, it also happened later in life, as it did with you. I mean, I, I yeah. usually recommend people learn by somebody else's mistakes. Being part of a corporate environment, mm-hmm. you get to see a lot of uh, Good leadership and a lot of bad leadership. You learn how to manage things and not to do it. So uh, I learned, I like to say, on another person's dime. And you're right, it was an MBA in practice. And then you start your own company mm-hmm. and, and you can avoid some of those pitfalls. Did you, did you find that you brought some of your learning from corporate America into the start of your own company? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the good and the bad, right? You learn you you look i think a lot of women leave corporate america and start their own business because they want to create the environment that they didn't have that's right 
And and so I, I know, or at least I'll speak for me, that's what I wanted. But the more I talk to other women, the more I hear the same thing. And I think, you know, for many of us, we sort of, you know, hit our head on the glass ceiling so many times that we thought, mm, I'm going to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And we create these wonderful work environments filled with, you know, things, some things that we learned in our prior lives, but also things that we never experienced and want to make sure that we have, uh, you know, uh, a, 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 a safe environment where everybody can share their ideas and thoughts and contribute and sit around the table and have diversity of thought and isn't that wonderful? That's right. You're right. I think uh, I talk a lot about the fact that women are collaborative. We like to hear from other people, and we're open to hearing other people's points of view. Uh, the other thing that I, I, I sense from you is, uh, this is going to sound maybe uh, uh unusual but it's more like a family think about it you spend eight ten hours with those people every Mm -hmm. day right sometimes more time than you actually spend with your own family so you want to like the people that you work with and did you what do you do inside your company to create kind of a, a positive culture yeah, it's uh, boy, it's 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 something that is so important because of all the reasons that we just said. And you know, um, I think one of the biggest testaments to our people and our culture. First of all, the company wouldn't be anything without our amazing team. Right. And I think one of the best testaments to their success and to the company's culture is the fact how quickly we pivoted during COVID Uh because, you know, all of a sudden overnight, like a a lot of companies, I mean, you know, millions of companies had to go online overnight, of course, we all did. But I think what was unique in Calling Powers uh, and other food companies is we had to do it right when it was like the busiest time and right when there was the most challenges, right? So like a lot of businesses were slowing down, ours had expedited, you know, overnight and, and the challenges quadrupled. So, and the fact that we maintained, you know, that, that, that connection in a time when we couldn't see each other and, you know, we're still online for now. Right. Um, is, has been, has been really miraculous and really speaks to the testament of the people. So, you know, what do we do? We, you know, we make sure that, you know, we have, um, you know, video calls, people show their face. Uh, we do now that, you know, uh, now that we can get back together, we certainly do. And, you know, one thing that I did during COVID uh, the first year was I um, I wrote a letter to the team every night, like oh. a, a little, just a little note of something that happened that day, something, either a challenge or some wonderful, you know, um, example of teamwork or something extraordinary that, that an individual did or a joke or a meme or something that just helped us connect in a, in a really challenging time. That's a wonderful thing to do, Gail, to share something like that. Uh, and you sent it out as email, I assume, to the employees? Yeah, one email every night. Uh Yep, 365 days, and then, uh, uh, which was hard. It was hard. I didn't realize when I started it, but um, 
It was, uh, but it was, it was great. It was great. And every occasionally I'll, I'll go back and, you know, see one of the ones I sent. And it's just funny to see what we were going through sure. at the time and, and sure. how much and how fortunate we are to have come out the other side. It could almost be a, a book, right? Advice from Gail, right? Yeah. And the stories. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> it was more, it was more the celebration of the of the hard work. I love that. Can you tell any stories about any particular employee? Don't have to use their name if you don't want to, but I'd be curious, uh, one of those special moments. Well, I will say this. I mean, we, you know, we, we have several different kinds of employees at Collie Power. We have people who have been at the food in the food industry for years who come from big food, small food, and, uh, you know, corporate behemoths, we have a lot of corporate refugees and people who have years and years and years of food experience. And then we have people like me who, you know, uh, wanted to do something different, uh, always sort of loved food and wanted to, you know, change their lives in some way. And, you know, one, one person in particular that I think of is, um, uh, this woman who uh, used to be a hairdresser hmm. and she used to be a hairdresser and I uh, really got, this was, and got tired of it before COVID mm-hmm. and really wanted to change her life. And so, um, you know, she, there was a, a, a job, a position at Collie Power and she applied for it and others did as well, but there was something about her that was so engaging and so authentic and so, I, I I just really got the sense of how passionate she would be. And so, you know, I hired her and obviously it was a bit of a risk, but I can tell you one of the best hires I've ever made, not just a colleague Bauer, but in life. And, um, you know, and, and she has really just sort of a shining star. And I, I just love, love that example because, you know, it's just, it's, it's never too late to, to make that change or, 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 you know, or, or listen to that voice inside your head. Really good point. You know, this is uh, the Dr. Renee Frazier show. We're talking with the successful business owner, Gail Becker. Gail started Collie Power, which is an amazing company. Uh, pizza company and other products. We're gonna. We just heard about a special hire that she made. In the next section, we're gonna talk about the tricks for hiring. What are the ways we identify some of the best people that work with us? And we're gonna learn more about what's in the future for Collie Power. What products are coming? Stay tuned. You're listening to the Dr. Renee Frazier Show. the Dr. Renee Frazier Show. We're featuring a very successful woman, Gail Becker, uh, the founder of Collie Power. Great products, great food products, and we're featuring women who have been successful. Gail's been talking to us about the great 
culture she's created and uh, the ability of her company to pivot as a result of COVID and make changes. Gail, let's talk about those special employees. You know, you mentioned this woman who was a hairdresser, hairstylist, who decided she wanted to make a change. Um, and you and you hired her. What do you attribute that choice to? I mean, what's inside of you that you, you know, that you could see her potential? Um, you know, I think that, you know, I, I, I think with women in particular, or maybe this is just for everyone, it's like we, we imagine that there's going to be some huge sign that mm-hmm. it's time to make a life change. Like mm-hmm. you're, the angels will sing, the bells <laughs> will ring, you will hear music. It's, it's like, you know, the, that, they're, that the universe will give you a sign. And I think, you know, what you come to learn is it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. So, you know, there's this notion of, you know, well, I have to wait for the right time. So what is that time going to be? And, you know, for me, I waited too long, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 I like it when people are tired of waiting. I like when people taste take risks. I mean, that is, you, you use the word entrepreneur, but all an entrepreneur really is, is a risk taker and a risk taker who's willing to take that risk to make something better. And, um, that, and so when I see other people take risks, I, I applaud it. And, I, I, I hire them. I cheer them on. I, 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 I support them. I want their success uh, because, you know, that's what, that's what makes, you know, that's what makes us what we are. That's what attracted my father here in the first place. Right. Like he knew he immigrant. could start his life over here. And right. so, um, you know, I, I just think it's, um, it's, uh, it's really just, um, I'm just really being true to myself and, and, and hopefully supporting other people that are doing the same. I like the idea of looking for people that are willing to make change and go into an uh, mm-hmm. unknown territory. You know, I recently got interviewed by a young person who, uh, one of our interns, and uh, she had asked me, why do you hire people who don't have previous experience in the field? And so I run an advertising mm-hmm. agency, right? And she's right. Uh, we hired a woman who was a social worker, another person who managed right. uh, celebrities. They they wanted to make a change, like you said, and they bring knowledge from a whole different perspective. Uh, one of the things right. that I think is so important is fresh ideas, right? New perspectives. You don't want right. to just hear people regurgitating the same ideas you're giving them and that's a a big uh pit that some owners and some ceos fall into right you just get yes people around you sounds like you're yeah exactly yeah and you do the same thing i mean i mean yeah exactly exactly i mean you know diversity of thought is everything right otherwise you're just going to be like all of the companies that already exist in your space Mm -hmm. like what's the point Mm-hmm. of doing the same thing that everyone else is doing. Right. You're not, chances are, you're not going to win. 
There has to be something different. You have to find that white space. What is going to differentiate you? What is going to make you better, cheaper, faster, more luxurious? What is going to improve mm-hmm. the end consumer relationship? And whatever that is, that's your point of differentiation. But you're never going to get that point of differentiation if you just do everything that everyone else does. That's right. And and all the ideas don't have to come from you, the CEO, right? Exactly. Yes. Exactly. You want people well, who bring I, I that. I think that's one of the benefits. Exactly. That's one of the benefits of starting a company later in life is like, you know, we have nothing to prove. It's like I'm right. super comfortable in hiring people that are, you know, far smarter than me in these areas because they have way more experience than I do. I'm not afraid to admit what I don't know. Um, and I think that's a blessing. And I think oftentimes, you know, founders feel like, oh, my God, I have to have all the answers. It's right. my company. It's my vision. I right. have to have a Well, that's not true. That is not true. That's like You're right. It is not true. And in fact, it's detrimental. It's detrimental to the business. Unfortunately, it's kind of a myth that's been created about a perfect CEO. You know, you look at the head of Facebook and the others and there and Steve Jobs and there there is this culture that uh, it drives this idea that they themselves came up with all the ideas and were the innovator inside the company and carried the whole thing through. Right. When you read the biographies, you learn and people who do the serious study that that's not the case. But I'm glad to hear you exactly. admit it. I mean, I think it's important to be able to say that. I, I'm curious, what new ideas are coming in for Polypower? What are you looking at in the future? Well, uh, so we're in a, a, a variety of categories right now. So obviously we started with pizza, which made us famous. Uh, well, we also have incredibly popular chicken tenders, which are the healthiest chicken tender ever made. I saw that. Uh, we recently wow. wanted to... Yeah, they're delicious. They're baked, not fried, no sugar, no oil. There is, we also have our pasta, which is extraordinary, um, uh, fresh from Italy, um, fresh frozen from from Italy and delicious and the lowest calorie pasta. Uh, and, uh, and now recently our latest product is, um, we introduced uh, breakfast scrambles, which are just eggs and veggies in a cup, microwavable. And, um, you know, just such a nutritious and healthy and fulfilling breakfast, or really, I find that people are now eating them all throughout the day, which is great. (laughs) So, um, uh, so obviously, we're in a number of different categories, which is uh, fantastic. And, you know, we really go where our consumers want us to go. So this year we'll be launching some new categories, which are very excited, some new pizza skews, some new line extensions. So, um, we're very excited. I love those ideas. You know, I saw the scramble product and I haven't tried it yet. What made you go into breakfast? What made you even think about that? How did that idea come about? Well, breakfast is, you know, I think, you know, one of, boy, you know, a million and one takeaways for the food industry coming out of COVID. But one of them was, um, you know, breakfast was a really, became a really hot and demanding category. I mean, people, you can't eat like, you know, pancake cereal. Remember the pancake cereal trend? Right. you can't eat pancakes and cereal every day for breakfast for 365 days a year. You just can't do it. And you don't, you're not going to feel very good if you do. So, you know, what other kinds of things can there be? And um, it's been, you know, I think 
like frozen pizza, like chicken tenders. It was they were categories that hadn't been invigorated in quite some time, and so or reinvented. And so you know uh, that's what we did. I like the idea of this reinvention. Tell us what the process is like. You come up with the idea. Do you have a kitchen where people create these things for you? Tell us a little bit about that, uh, how the product gets created in the beginning. Well, everything is different. So uh, every every product is different. There's a there's a different life you know lifeline for every product. Although you know some core tenants are the same. We do have experts in different, you know, specialties, uh, you know, depending on the product. And, and we certainly, you know, bring those people in as well. Um, you know, I think it, it has to, it has to be something, it has to be a category that, you know, is ripe for innovation. You know, there's been, there's, mm-hmm. you know, like pizza, the pizza category hadn't been touched in many years. And I think that's why Cauliflower was able to, you know, come in and make its mark. And obviously the same for chicken tenders. Um, Actually, the chicken tenders were born in a very unusual way, which I'll tell you. Um, So at one point we had some baking mix that we no longer have. Mm -hmm. One of the suppliers couldn't couldn't provide one of the ingredients anymore. So um, we stopped making it. I had some lying around the house. I had some raw chicken tenders. I coated the chicken tender in the baking mix. I air fried it. I served it for dinner. And everyone thought it was great. And about 10 months later, Cauliflower introduced our (laughs) baked, not fried uh, chicken tenders. And that's really literally how that product product (laughs) was born. I love that story. That's great. I mean, it uh, sometimes the mother of necessity, right, is the mother of invention, right? It was like, okay, I'll make these. All I love the time. it. I love it. Yeah, exactly. All the time. All the time. And, uh, and and scramble, you're right. People need alternatives for breakfast. It sounds like a great way to go yeah. and healthier for you, which I love. Uh, it sounds like the healthiness is really a core value for the company. Products that are healthier than what's out there. Would you say that's one of your key differentiators? Yeah, um, I would say that, you know, Cauliflower lives at the intersection of taste, health, and convenience. And, you know, it's easy to make a product taste good. And it's easy to make a product convenient. And it's easy to make a product um, better for you. Uh. Where the challenge comes is making it all three. All three. You yes. can get if if you're lucky, you can get two. But for Cauliflower, we have to hit on all those three tenants, or we don't make it. I love and, it, and that is our sweet spot. I love it. That was great. Thank you so much. This has been Gail Becker, the founder and CEO of Cauliflower, and hopefully you've gotten hungry as a result of listening to this show. I know I have. I've learned a lot from you, Gail. I want to just highlight a few things that I took away. Uh, one is certainly a lot of us start our own companies because we want to create the environment that they would like to see in their own business or we would like to see in our own business. The idea of sharing your stories uh, and your trials and tribulation at the dinner table with your family as a way to give your kids that uh, practical MBA and and for them to see the zeal and the excitement, the authentic you. And, of course, the importance of diversity of thought and the fact that you shared stories with your employees through this difficult time and made that connection with them. Very admirable. Thank you for being on the show, Gail. I've learned a lot. Thank you so much for having me. 
This has been the Dr. Renee Frazier Show, highlighting successful women. We've been talking with Gail Becker and learned about her successful path, the way she learned from her father, and tips of advice for all of us to be more successful as we lead and succeed. Thank you for listening. Have a great week ahead. This is the Dr. Renee Frazier Show.